Well, good evening, sloggy kids, and beautiful sloggy mommy somewhere, probably cooking or cleaning or grading tests or doing laundry or doing something. I'm sure mommy is probably not sitting around. Anyways, hi everybody. For me, it is about five o'clock on Tuesday evening, December 15th. I'm not sure when you guys are going to listen to this, but that really doesn't matter too much. I have a little bit of time before I got to go to work, and I won't be interrupted by alarms and people talking and stuff like that. So, anyways, I'm liking this book. I don't know about, about you guys, but uh, this book is pretty good so far. It's pretty exciting, and I'm looking forward to reading more of it to you. Um, where were we? Okay, I think we finished with chapter 11. Oh, wait, let me see here. Oh, yeah. So, King Darrow. Give me a second here, sorry. King Darrow. Oh, no, 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 no. Did I read you? I read you chapter 12. Sorry, we are on chapter 13. Yeah, it took me a while there. Thank you for being patient. Okay, so anyways, I get it now. I was reading on the on my phone before, and now I'm on the iPad. Okay, so uh, Aiden is hiking towards the battlefield to get news of his brothers. And what happened? He tried. He decided to take a shortcut up this one river because he knew the river came out really close to the road of where he was going to be there. Uh, eventually, end up. Sounds like a great idea, uh, you know. But what happened? Well, he got deep in the woods, and then sure enough, he pops out in a bog, and he's kind of stuck, kind of really far in and um, it's either turn around or try and get around this bog but what's he hear? He's not alone. He hears that ha 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 rough woo. So who did he think it was? Yeah he thought it was his old buddy. Um, what's his old buddy's name? Tell me. Tell me again. Dobro, he shouted. Dobro, Dobro, you stinking mudfish. I've been looking all over for you. He was halfway up the tree. Sorry, that's my alarm. He was halfway up the tree when another call echoed from a few feet away in another magnolia. Ha, 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 roof, woo. Ha, 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 roof, woo. He turned toward the second call, then he heard a swift rustle coming down the trunk of his tree. He jerked back around, just in time, to glimpse the soles of two flat, gray, hairy feet flying toward him. Aiden's chest caught the full force of the blow, which propelled him out of the tree. When his head hit the sandy ground below, Aiden's world went black. Okay, 
chapter 13 is called a trial a trial when aiden woke up his head was throbbing and he couldn't see he was on his back facing skyward at least he thought he was at the same time he felt as if he were moving his wrists and ankles ached the air was so stuffy he could hardly breathe and his mouth was tight and stretched his parched tongue felt furry in his mouth Aiden's senses were returning slowly he was confused and found it difficult to figure out where he was it occurred to him that he had been hearing a steady splashing as well as voices one near his head and one near his feet as the fog cleared, the words he heard began to make sen some sense. You don't reckon you killed him, do you? Asked the voice near his head. It was a high-pitched, grating voice. Course not, Rabbo, said a nasally voice near his feet. He'll be all right, for a little while anyway. Both voices laughed. Aiden didn't get the joke and wasn't sure he wanted to. A sudden jolt shook his whole body, and a new ache shot through his wrists and ankles. At his head, he heard a shrill laugh from the voice called Rabbo. Watch out for that cypress knee, Jonko. The prisoner might not appreciate you dropping him in the swamp. Shut your feeder, Rabbo. You shut your own feeder. How about you make me? How about I take this tote pole and learn you some manners? Oh, dry up, Rabbo. We'll be at the meeting hummock in no time. I'll settle up with you there when the whole tribe can watch the whooping. Aiden was beginning to put the pieces together. Two men named Rabbo and Jonko, Fiji folk by Aiden's estimation, were carrying him on a pole between them the way hunters carry a stag or a boar. His wrists and ankles were tightly bound. They bore his weight as he hung face upward. His kidnappers had put a heavy bag over his head, probably made from an animal skin, from the smell of it. That explained why it was so dark and why it was so difficult to breathe. He couldn't cry out because they had gagged him with vines. The fuzzy sensation on his tongue was a leaf from the vine gag. Jonko, who held the end of the pole near Aiden's feet, was leading the way. They were slogging through, the, through a swamp on their way to a place they called the Meeting Hummock. But what sort of things happened at the Meeting Hummock? Aiden's stomach tightened as he imagined the possibilities. Before long, the splashing stopped, and Aiden heard instead the tramp of his captor's feet on dry land. They were on an island. The meeting hummock? Rabo and Jonko were no longer on speaking terms, so Aiden could glean no more from them. But in the near distance, he heard a Fiji call, Ha-wee! And Jonko answer, Ha-wee! They were coming up on at least one Fiji, maybe more than that. As Jonko and Rabo continued on their way, Aiden heard a buzz of voices in the near distance. 
The further they went, the louder and more distinct the voices grew. But just as they drew close enough that Aidan could make out a few words, and even a whole sentence or two, the conversation abruptly broke off. Aidan pictured a crowd of Fiji folk watching in silence as he was carried in like a hunting trophy. Aidan could feel himself being lowered to the ground. The tote pole was pulled away, though his wrists and ankles were still bound. A voice at his ear, Rabos, he thought, whispered, On your feet, young civilizer. And he felt a hand grasp his wrist and pull him up to a standing position. Someone removed the hood that had hidden Aidan's face. He stood blinking in the afternoon sun. The glare made his aching head pound even harder. When his eyes focused, he could see he was standing at the center of a semicircle of Fiji folk. There were at least a hundred of them. Their pinched gray faces were contorted in various attitudes of curiosity, hostility, and fear. Some fixed Aiden with threatening stares, bearing what few teeth they had like mean dogs. The wee Fichis covered their faces with their hands and peeked out at Aiden between their fingers. Most of the tribesmen, though, gaped open-mouthed at the strange creature brought to their meeting hummock. Those in the back craned their necks for a better view or tried to push forward. I'm sorry. Those in the backs craned their necks for a better view or tried to push toward the front row. All their lives they had heard about civilizers. Even the tiniest Weefichis knew to fear them. But except for the scouts and the elders, most of them had never actually seen one. The Fichis were small people. The full-grown He-Fichis were barely taller than Aiden, though their turtle-shell helmets added a couple of inches to their height. They were all lean and sinewy, even the youngest wee Fichis. They all had the same gray skin as Dobro. Their hair was thick and coarse of various colors, but they all had roughly the same haircut. Short and jagged across the front, longer in the back and lumpy all over. Most of the Fichis wore reptile skins. The adult Hefichis were bare-chested and wore snakeskin kilts and turtle-shell helmets. Shefichis and youths of both sexes wore tunics fashioned from alligator skins. We Fichis wore little loincloths made from possum or muskrat hides. All were barefoot. Many of the Fichi folk wore various other adornments that betokened their hunting skill. Bear claw necklaces, egret plume headdresses, boar tusk bracelets. A few more wore capes made from wolf hides or bobcat skins. One youth in the front row appeared to be wearing a panther hide. He was a surly fellow who never even raised his head to look at Aiden. For several seconds, Aiden and the Fiji folks stared at one another without speaking a word. Two Hefichis stood beside him, one holding each elbow. They were Jonko and Rabo, Aiden's captors, and he was glad to have them 
for it was no easy matter to stand with bound ankles. An elderly Fichi came out of the crowd and walked toward Aiden. He was a bent and toothless old thing, but many years rough wisdom shone from his one good eye. He was Gurgo Snagroot, chieftain of this band of Fichis. He looked Aiden over from head to toe and back up again, then turned to address the assembled Fichis. He pointed at Aiden. In case some of you don't know all, know it already, this here is a civilizer. One of the wee Fichis, her eyes wide with terror, bolted away and ran screaming into the woods. The other wee Fichis weren't quite so terrified, but they were confused. They had been under the impression that civilizers, if such things even existed, were some sort of monster. But this so-called civilizer didn't look at all that different from a Fichi, only a little paler and softer and dressed funny. Ain't he kind of a little for a civilizer? asked a squint-eyed she-Fichi in the third row. He ain't got its full growth yet, but he's a civilizer all right. Oh, yeah, he ain't got its full growth yet, but he's a civilizer all right answered Chief Gurgo, and we got to figure out what to do with him. Boil him, someone suggested. Drown him, offered a young Fichi in a beaver skin cap. Throw him out of a pine tree. Feed him to an alligator. The crowd was growing more enthusiastic as they warmed to their subject. Aiden suspected that the only thing keeping the mob from doing him some awful violence was the fact that they couldn't agree on which awful violence to do. At last, Chief Gurgo raised a three-fingered hand to silence the crowd. Hold on, hold on, hold on, he squeaked. We ain't doing anything to this civilizer until I say what we're doing to him. And I ain't saying until we've had some more confabulation. He turned toward Rabo and Jonko. Jonko Backwater and Rabo Flatbottom is the ones who caught him, and I reckon they ought to tell us how it happened. Well, began Rabo, me and Jonko got a hankering for some gopher, so I was so we was ranging around on the sand hills. Jonko's poking around in a gopher hole, and I'm looking for another one. When I see this little civilizer coming out of the creek bottom, making straight for us. There ain't no civilizer road around them sand hills, interrupted one of the Fichis in the crowd. That's what I know, Verno. That's why we was so surprised. Anyway, I gave Jonko the skedaddle signal, and we made for a jumble of magnolia trees and scoot up. We didn't want no civilizer trouble, explained Jonko. Well, the civilizer starts trooping up the sand hill, continued Rabo. And where do you reckon he decides to flop down and rest? By my magnolia tree, that's where, answered Jonko. I stayed as still as I could, but magnolia leaves is so rattlesome, can't nobody keep quiet in a magnolia tree. 
I reckon the civilizer heard me, cause he starts doing everything he can to see what's in the treetop. Jonko mimicked the way Aiden circled and ducked and craned to get a glimpse of him. I could see that hiding wasn't working out, Jonko continued, so I decided I'd scare him off. Rabo laughed as he remembered. Jonko cut loose with the loudest, scariest watch-out bark I ever heard. He threw back his head in imitation. Ha, 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 roof, woo! Ha, 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 roof, woo! There ain't never been a civilizer wouldn't run home crying when he heard something like that. Except this one, said Jonko, pointing a thumb at Aiden. He answers back with the watch-out bark of his own. Rabbo was getting more excited as he relived the scene. Then he cuts loose with a Fiji battle yell. A battle yell, exclaimed Chief Gergo. How would a little civilizer know the Fiji battle yell? I don't know, Chief, answered Jonko, but Rabbo and me both heard it. Aiden would be glad to tell them everything, if only they would untie the vine gag, which was making his jaws ache. He would tell them all about Dobro and their encounter in the bottom pasture. But none of the Fiji seemed interested in what Aiden had to say. Everyone just eyed him quizzically. Everyone except for the young Fiji in the panther cape. He only pulled the hood down further over his face. You're not going to believe what happened next, Jonko continued. This civilizer starts climbing the tree like he wants to get at me. When I seen that, said Rabbo, I give a watch out bark of my own. And when the civilizer turned in my direction, Jonko swung down and gave him a whole mouthful of Fiji foot. He'd done the prettiest back over flip you ever seen, said Jonko. He was still knocked out when we tied him up and carried him off on the pole. We gagged him with vines so he couldn't holler for more civilizers. Though I don't reckon there'd be any civilizer, civilizers to hollow for this far off the road. Chief Gergo whistled. Sounds like you were just defending yourselves. It also sounds like you wasn't the first Fiji folks this civilizer had ever seen. Anything else he said or did before you knocked him out? Well, Jonko began. He did say something, but I couldn't make no sense of it. I don't speak civilizer talk. What was it then? pressed Gergo. When he was climbing up the tree, he kept hollering, Dodo! And I think he said something about looking for a mudfish. No, that ain't it, interrupted Rabbo. He didn't say nothing about no Dodo. It sounded more like Togro. Jonko was irritated. I know what I heard, Rabbo. He was saying, Toad Row. Rabbo put his hands on his hips and sneered at Jonko. That don't make no kind of sense, Jocko. Or Jonko. He was saying, Go foe. No doubt about it. The two Fijis were chest to chest now, each ready to fight for his own misinterpretation of what Aiden had said. If they would only unbind me and let me speak for myself, 
I'd be happy to clear things up, Aiden thought. He could tell them that he wasn't saying Dodo or Gofo and certainly not Toadro, but Dobro. There was another person in the crowd who could have guessed what Aiden was saying when he climbed the magnolia tree. The boy in the panther cape, who now was hiding his face completely. He was Dobro Turtlebane, and he was terrified of what might happen next to himself, to Aiden, or to both of them. Rabo and Jonko were now dancing circles around each other, glaring and raising their fists. I'm going to jump down your throat and stomp your gizzard, Rabo threatened. I wish you'd try, answered Jonko. It's nothing to me to swallow a man whole. Fichis love few things better than a fist fight. The prospect of Rabo and Jonko coming to blows made them forget completely about the defenseless civilizer who stood between them, gagged and bound hand and foot. The whole mob pressed closer to get a better look at the two combatants, everyone except Dobro. He moved against the pulsing tide of Fichi folk, trying to get to the back of the crowd where he would be less conspicuous. But it was hard to be inconspicuous in the press of a crowd. Trying to pick a hole to push through, he stood right in front of Odo Watersnake. Move it, Dobro! shouted Odo. I can't see! In his haste to get out of Odo's way, Dobro stepped squarely on Theto Elbigator's bare foot. Yow, Dobro! Theto yelled, and he pushed him into Benno Frogger. Stop it, Dobro, yelped Benno, giving Dobro a push that sent him sprawling into the middle of the crowd, the tail of his panther cape flying behind him. He bowled over four she-feechies and three wee-feechies. Everyone's attention shifted from Jonko and Rabo to Dobro. Dobro, the crowd scolded as if with a single voice. Jonko and Rabo dropped their fists and stared. First at one another, then at Dobro. Dobro! They both shouted. The crowd looked back at them. That's what the civilizer was saying, Jonko nearly shouted, pointing excitedly at Dobro. He was saying, Dobro, Dobro, Dobro! Okay. That was the end of chapter 13, and I'm going to stop there because i got to get ready for work. I might have some more time later. I'm just going to hit stop and publish this uh, chapter here. Okay, I love you kiddos. Uh, say your prayers, will you? And I will talk to you all soon. Have a good night or day. Have a good night and day. All right, love you guys. See ya.